0: Good evening, church. Good to be with you. My name is Stephen. I'm the youth minister here at St. John. If you don't know who I am, so excited and blessed to be able to be with you and to share with you in the Word of God, doing a little bit of a slightly different uh, rhythm to our evening. We started off with a a beautiful song, He Is, uh, and I think it perfectly pictures uh, what our good news is, right? Hope for the hopeless that is who our God is, That who Jesus is. Uh, and so this is what we are doing uh, for the next uh, period of time. We are starting a series called Good News. And we're going to be looking at a lot of really good news. Pastor Tom, Pastor Ashley are going to be sharing a lot of those with us in the coming weeks as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the resurrection of Jesus. But tonight... Uh, We have Ash Wednesday, and historically and traditionally, Ash Wednesday has been a bit more of a somber service, focusing in on our sin and our guilt before God, and we're going to focus in on some of those challenging and convicting elements tonight, but I want you to stick around, because at the end, we're going to see how repentance has good news even in our darkest moments. Before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for tonight and the opportunity to come to hear your word spoken, to allow it to transform us from the inside out. And God, we pray that it would be your word spoken tonight, not mine, that we would have hearts and minds and ears to hear, and we allow it to transform us. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So if you didn't catch on, uh, tonight is Ash Wednesday. Uh, And for some of us who uh, grew up in churches that did not participate in Ash Wednesday services or didn't do the imposition of ashes, it can be a little bit confusing of why do we do this? What is the purpose? What's the meaning behind this? And so... I'm sure there's other of you in the room tonight that are just like me and had that experience growing up. So I found a short um, description that I think helps us understand a little bit more of what the ashes are all about. Along with reminding us of our mortality, the ashes on Ash Wednesday all are also symbolic of grief, grief from the sins we've committed. We may not always be able to resist temptation as Jesus did, specifically during the 40 days in the wilderness, but Lent provides an opportunity to reflect, pray, and repent for our sins. In doing so, many people make sacrifices or commit to life changes throughout the 40 days of Lent. It's a time for spiritual fasting, so that we can cleanse our souls and renew our faith as we prepare for the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And I think this is a beautiful picture for us, reminding us of what the ashes on Ash Wednesday are about, but also giving us a picture of what Lent should look like for us. And tonight we're going to focus in on a word that we've heard from Tom, but we also see here, and that word is repentance. And that's a heavy word, and oftentimes a word that we don't like to use. It's not a word that we like to hear. It's not one that we normally like to participate in. But it's a key theme during Ash Wednesday and Lent, but what I think I've also found to be true is that it's key in our everyday spiritual transformation with God. And so tonight... We start off right where Jesus is starting his ministry. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, we see repentance and the good news of Christ, which is our series, Good News, together. Let's read that together in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Now, after Jesus was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If we look up the word repentance in the English dictionary or on Google or wherever we would, the focus is on feelings and apologies. But when we look at the Bible... And we look at how it was written, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Two main words come uh, to the surface when we're looking at repentance. The first one is in the New Testament and is metanoia. You may have heard that word before. The second word is the Hebrew word of teshuva. And for us to fully understand what repentance means for us in our faith journey, I think it's important for us to understand first the words that the writers are using in scripture and why they're using those words. So let's start with metanoia. Whoa. Metanoia. Say this with me. Meh ta metanoia. metanoia. Metanoia means a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior which means that repentance is more than a feeling. Repentance is more than a feeling, a change of a mind that leads to a change of behavior. This is true in our everyday ordinary life situations. We change our minds about certain actions as we grow up, which leads to a change of behavior in our future. I'll give you an example. Maybe this is true for you as well. The clothing and hair choices that you make in middle school and high school are not the same that you choose when you're older, or at least usually. Because this is also what's happened recently for me, so I'm not quite sure about that. However, when we read metanoia in Scripture, the focus is not on our everyday ordinary life situations, but it's a focus on our change of mind regarding sin and about God, which results in us turning from our sin and returning to God. When we understand metanoia better, it helps us to see the connection between the New Testament word for repentance and metanoia and the Old Testament word, teshuva, we see that next, teshuva. Say this with me. Ta-shu-va. Teshuva. Right? And teshuva, again, is a lot more than the feeling of guilt or regret. There's that included in it, but it's more than an apology or saying, I'm sorry. In fact, it derives from the verb to return, which means teshuva... It's less about the regret and guilt that we feel, which we do, but our response to that in our desire and our decision to turn away from our sin and to return to God. You see, repentance is this beautiful change that happens in our minds and in our hearts and in our actions. As we turn away from our sin, we let go of it and we return to God. And if we see repentance in this way, it will impact the rest of our lives. You see, when we repent, we take the blame for our sinful condition, and we side with God against ourselves. Repentance includes guilt and sorrow for our sinful condition, but it leads to confessing our sins to God, which Tom is going to talk about in a couple of weeks but ultimately forsaking our sin and resolving not to return to it. And for that to be true, repentance must be ongoing. Remember, we said repentance is a change of mind that uh, results in a turning from our sin and returning to God. And this doesn't just happen once and it's done. Oftentimes we think about repentance in our conversion experience. We repent from our sin and we're forgiven by God and we move into our relationship with God and we forget about repentance. But it's just like how good physical health doesn't happen automatically. right? We just finished a series about a health assessment. We looked in Proverbs and we saw how the change of your mind regarding your health, the changing of your diet... Changing of your physical exercise can greatly impact your physical health. But we all know that if you don't continue in that, and continue in that new mindset, you will eventually, over time, revert to worsened health. The same is true for our minds and our hearts when it comes to repentance and our sin. And so it's important for us to create a lasting mindset of repentance. And you might go, Stephen, I'm not quite sure what that means, lasting mindset of repentance. And Ashley likes to do her little uh, Ashley version of the Bible. This is Stephen's definition of what this means. Love God and hate and forsake your sin. We're going to dive into that a little bit deeper, but I love how Romans chapter 12 and First Peter 1 kind of show us what this looks like in our lives. Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here we see, this is our spiritual worship. This is how we're living for God. This is our faith journey. So what do we do? Do not be conformed to this world, the sin of this world, the things that we uh, have participated in the future, the things that we have repented of in the past, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, changing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, his desires for your life that is good and acceptable and perfect. 1 Peter 1 reaffirms this, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he, Jesus, who is called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So long to be holy. Long to be holy. Again, I put a little description down here because I think sometimes we get confused or it's hard to understand exactly what holy means. I think this helps. Believe God knows what is best for you and learn to live within his will and direction for your life. See, because the next statement I'm going to give you is a pretty hard and challenging one to hear initially. But I believe it to be true because of the second half of the statement. Our goal as Christians and Christ followers is not to minimize our sin. And you may have heard that your whole life growing up in church. But here's the second half of that statement. Rather, our goal is to love God and live like Jesus. To be holy, to be set apart, to be transformed into the being God created us to be until he fulfills that transformation for all of eternity. Because here's the truth. If we love God more and we live like Jesus, we will minimize our sin. But the goal is to love God and live like Jesus. Because when we switch those and we put minimizing sin above loving God and living like Jesus, here's what happens. Our faith becomes legalistic. Our churches begin to focus on the wrong things. And our spiritual journey becomes less about living like Jesus and more about not doing bad things. And when I read that and hear that for myself, a couple of people in Scripture pop into my brain that I think that description matches that Jesus had some pretty harsh things to say about the Pharisees and the Sadducees so we must learn to love God and to hate sin and to forsake it every day I don't know about you but I know that that can be extremely difficult to do And if you're anything like me, then sometimes it can be because we look at our lives and we go, man, I don't see any major sins in my life, so I'm good. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't cheated on my spouse. I haven't broken the Big Ten, so I'm good, right? And maybe you felt that way or feel the same way right now. I want to challenge you and challenge me as well to think about repentance in this new way that is not just about this feeling of, uh, of guilt or regret and I'm sorry, but an actual hating sin, letting go of it, turning away from it. And not just the big ones, but all sin. That repentance is ongoing a lasting mindset, a longing to be holy. And I put a a book up here to show you, this book called Respectable Sins, Confronting the Sins We Tolerate. I love that title because so many people go, Respectable Sins, that doesn't make sense. But there's so many sins in our life that we tolerate that we allow to exist that we may not even know are there. And this book has opened my eyes and and identified areas in my life where I need to repent of these sins. And so I actually bought a a bunch of copies of this, and I want to encourage you to pick up a copy today in the back. Um, You can purchase some, or if you can't purchase it, just take one. I'd rather you take the book. And if we run out, let me know. I'll make sure you get a copy. But this book helps to show us and identify the areas where God is speaking into us, just like Scripture does, but ties both of them together about some of those sins that maybe are small or seem small or seem insignificant and yet are a big deal to God. Because repentance is the action of changing our mind And our heart to this way of living, a transformed way of living, living a life focused on loving God and hating sin. Not just not participating in it, but actually hating it and not wanting to be involved or close or near it in our own lives. it's actually by the grace of God that we even get to experience this kind of repentance at all. God's work on humanity's behalf means that he is always patiently waiting for us to return or to turn to him. This idea of repentance to turn to him. And his work in our own lives, before we even realize it, which we call prevenient grace, allows us to see this, to acknowledge it, our need for God and our depravity in sin. Which means this. God is always ready for your return. And it's always a good time to repent. Whether it's the first time or the 700th time. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 gives us a beautiful picture into what that looks like. Repent therefore and turn back becoming a theme of this message, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you who is Jesus. I want you to think about it in this way. Whether you have never repented and believed in Jesus and turned your life to God before, or have been a Christian for the past 20 years, God's presence and love in your life has never changed. I think a great way to help us understand this is through an illustration. So I'm gonna ask a volunteer to come up and help me illustrate this. And before you get too worried, I've already hand selected that person. <laughs> I know you were all getting scared. (laughs) Isabella, come on up. Take a seat for me. Isabella's been great to to volunteer for this. Um, So she's going to take a seat. And uh, as she's doing that, I want you to uh, think about Isabella as a representation of each and every one of us, right? So it's you sitting in the chair, not just Isabella. And I want you to think about this light. Now, this is supposed to be done outside with youth, right? But it's dark outside, so it's not going to work, right? So this light is the sun. It's literally the sun, right? It's pretty warm, isn't it, right? And you feel that. But it's also representing God's presence and love in our life. So right now, Isabella, you can feel God's presence. You can experience his love You can feel the warmth, the closeness of God, right? What if I asked you to go ahead and pick up that sheet of paper for me and hold that up? Yeah. So now your face is blocked. You're no longer getting that light and that warmth from the sun. You're no longer experiencing all of what you could experience with that light, right? Yeah, go ahead and set that down and... And go ahead and pick up the folder for me. So now, an even greater portion of you is covered, right? And you, again, are not feeling the full extent of the light and the love. Go ahead and set that down. and, And go ahead and pick up one last item for me in the umbrella. At this point, other than maybe your knees, you're pretty much fully blocking the light from hitting you by just holding on to one thing. You see, these objects or barriers in our lives are sin. Sin gets in the way of us feeling the presence and closeness and intimacy and love of God that he designed and desires for us to experience. And even though God is still there, and even though God's love is still present, we have difficulty experiencing it and uh, feeling it in our lives. And So this is what repentance and a lasting mindset of repentance and an ongoing uh, ongoing nature of repentance in our lives does. Repentance allows us to lower these objects as Isabella has done. Let go of the sin. Leave it there and begin to feel the presence and love of God that has never left us. Isabelle, thank you so much for uh, being uh, my volunteer. You can go ahead and take a seat for me. Way to go. You did a fantastic job. I appreciate that you clap for her cuz she specifically told me not to encourage to tell you to do that. So, way to go. Way to go. Best of both worlds. Repentance allows us to change our minds about the sin in our own lives. It allows us to let go of it, to no longer love it, to no longer want it, to no longer desire it, to no longer want to be even close to it, but rather to hate it and to forsake it. And even when we're tempted to take it back and to hold it back up and, and put it in front of us again, the mindset of repentance renews our hearts and, and our minds to keep letting it go: Keep participating in repentance, because the light never changed positions, and neither has God. Second Chronicles 7:14 says this: "If my people that's you and me, who are called by my name, humble themselves. And pray and seek my face, love God, and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their sin, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So today is a perfect day. Today is a perfect day to repent and believe the good news of the gospel. And I told you to stick around for the end because I had some good news about repentance. Repentance can be challenging and and it forces us to look inward and see some things that maybe we don't like to see in ourselves. But, excuse me, the good news of repentance is this. Even in our own disgust of ourselves, even in our sin, our guilt, our shame, God never leaves us but instead saves us and calls us into relationship with him through Jesus. And repentance allows for that to happen. It's a beautiful picture. And so if you've never turned your life to God, you've never repented of your wrong and believed in the saving power of Jesus, let me encourage you to to talk to me Talk to Pastor Ashley, Pastor Tom. And do it tonight. Don't wait. Because God is excited for you to return to him. He hasn't moved. He's not worried. He's not ashamed. He just wants you to experience his love and mercy and forgiveness by you returning to him. And so as we close our message tonight, I'm going to invite the choir to come on up and to sing. And I want to encourage you to spend some time reflecting on what God is saying to you specifically tonight. Like I said at the beginning of this message, we've switched around the order, and we have a lot more things going to happen in this service. Time of reflecting time of science, the imposition of ashes, and quite a bit more music. And so I want to encourage you to participate in the way that you need to participate tonight. For some of you, that might mean sitting in in the pews and spending some time with God. For others of you, that might mean using this prayer rail and coming up and Uh, bowing before the king of kings and letting go of some sin that has been in your life that you're aware of and maybe the sin that you're not even aware of that God has brought to the service and return to God. For others of you, that might mean standing and lifting your hands to worship and to praise God for the wonders of his love and the grace and forgiveness in your life. And for others of you, it might be a combination of all of those things. But here's my hope, is that you will let God, not the people around you, be your guide on how to participate during the rest of this service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You care about us so much. And it's because of your love and because of your Son that we even have this opportunity to repent, to realize that our sin blocks us from experiencing all that you have for us. And so, God, may we take on a mindset of repentance during this time of Lent as we lead up to the resurrection and Easter May that be how we approach Lent with a spiritual fasting of getting rid of the sin in our life, letting go of it, setting it down and leaving it there, hating it and forsaking it. We thank you that we can come to you. We can return to you. That you never leave us or forsake us. But just want us to return like the prodigal son. Praise you all. Your Son, Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Amen.